You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. Real quickly, before we get into the show today, I want to remind everyone to check out Locked On MLB. We did a crossover episode for Tuesday, so never been a better time to go check out Locked On MLB. Uh, it It is the same show, so you probably don't want to listen to yesterday's show. You do want to listen to Locked On Indians, but Sully's a great guy. Remember to go check that out. I've been talking about for about a few months now about the idea of adding a co-host, and we... There was a lot of discussions with the lockdown people and the, you know, the people higher ups at the site. And we talked about it and uh, everyone really liked my discussion with Pat Ellington. So Pat is going to be a weekly host. I kind of, uh, I've talked about that on the show. It's not really a teaser or a thing, but this is going to be our first uh, official as uh, co-hosts on an episode. So Pat's joining me and it's been, I don't know, probably about a month or so since we talked. So I just thought I would, lead off our conversation with more just some free flow here. We will talk in later on the show about the roster move. We'll make some projections and some thoughts on what could happen. And then we'll later on talk about Pat is spending a lot of time covering Lake County, which is just a loaded team. So we will get to the minors as well. But Pat, since we last had a chance to talk, uh, what have you liked? What have you not liked about the, uh, the Indians and their progression so far in the early going of the season? Um. I like the fact that they're winning. Uh, that's kind of redundant. Who doesn't like when their team wins unless um, your, your team is trying to tank and you want your team to tank. But what I, what I really dislike is um, how how much the offense is struggle. And it's, it's weird because when, when you look at the the numbers, whether it be service level and advanced stuff, and, I, and you put the eye test together, you kind of aggregate it all to evaluate the team or the lineup specifically. They have a lot of bad luck, but they're also very, they're also not that good. So they're kind of in, in between a, a rock and a hard place right now offensively. And with the struggles that the pitching has had, that's expected because it's so young. I think they have the youngest team in baseball right now. Want to say just uh, as a whole, but they definitely have the youngest pitching staff. I know that for a fact. Yeah, I always like to talk about. Or to me, it's always amusing that Zach Plesac is the old man of the pitching staff. Uh, and anyone who's just take a second and think about that—that that he is chronologically the oldest man. Yes, Beaver is the elder statesman, but that's how young that staff is. Uh, Mackenzie being the youngest, uh, but yeah, it's from twenty-three point eight to twenty-six point three. That is that entire pitching staff. And there, there have been some growing pains, and I agree with you. Right now, you know, I think we expect Eddie Rosario will play better. He is, it, it's been not great of late. Uh, Josh Naylor has been a little up and down, but he's definitely showing more signs of life of, of what he can do. You know, Luplo has had his health issues. Fran Mill has had his his ups and downs. As has, you know, Cesar has actually been really good this month. Ahmed's going to really get a chance to prove himself at shortstop. We'll talk about that in a bit. But outside of, should we just take a moment and talk about, like, the appreciation of Jose Ramirez and what he has been uh, in a team that is completely, even when we talk about the next best guy, like, Fran Reyes is clearly the number two hitter on this team right now, but he has not been, uh, he's been good. All year, solidly good, but some spikes of, like, excellent and then some spikes of, 
struggles. Uh, it just seems that with all the struggles offensively, I sometimes feel like fans aren't appreciating just how good Jose has been, not just this year, but last year and what he's continuing to do this season. Uh, what, you know, what do you take away when you get to watch Jose every day? Um, he just, he's just the best switch hitter in baseball. And he has been since 2016, if we're being honest, um, he's, he's been a top five player in baseball when he's on the field from, um, from a adjusted war perspective. He, he just, he hits and he runs the bases very well. He's actually one of the best base runners in baseball based on base running runs, the fan guys metric. Um, he, his defense has been kind of shaky this year. He, he has a lot of errors, although um, out above average, really likes him in, in the defensive run um, advance, defensive run save, defensive uh, run saved, and ultimate zone rating metrics like him also. So, so in terms of like just complete player and everything they can do, like in my lifetime, I know we as Indians fans, there's this tendency to this is the best hitter since Manny Ramirez, or this is the best hitter since Jim Tomey. But those guys were bat first. Like Albert Bell was the favorite player of my youth. I will defend that, you know, if he doesn't have a degenerative hip, I think he's a, a Hall of Fame player just based on what he did. Uh, if we stick to, you know, and it, it, I, I, this show could turn into me defending Albert Bell for 30 minutes if I let myself. So I'm just going to stop there. Uh, but in terms of just complete playerness, I feel like in my lifetime, the two most complete players in terms of like speed, defensive value, it's him and Grady Sizemore. I, I don't know if there's two other guys who really had that level of like talent. And I will, the Grady's another guy. I mean, people forget how young he was when he got hurt, but I mean, outside of those two, do you think that's a fair, like, I'm not saying, com, you know, comparing them, but just in terms of completeness uh, of the last 20 to 30 years, is there someone I'm leaving out? Is there someone you think, I mean, Frankie Lindor also enters that discussion as well. But I, I think that, like, when I think Jose Ramirez, and I'm like, okay, he's the best Indians hitter since Grady Sizemore is the player who comes to my mind. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, in my opinion, this is, this is a bit of a hot take, but I think Jose Ramirez is the best player to wear in Indians uniform um, for a prolonged amount of time in the 21st century for a position player. Um, and amongst the illustrious that this team has with infielders and to be more specific, searching infielders, he's also the best of that group, also. So yeah, I mean, that's just where I am. I think he, he, he it's weird. People always reference Lindor being on a Hall of Fame track when he was here, but no one really referenced Jose Ramirez was neck and neck with Lindor with being on a uh, with the Hall of Fame track, and he really doesn't get his just due because he only speaks Spanish for Jose Ramirez. But that's a whole other topic in itself. We talked about that before. No, but I, you know, I'm with you. It's the same. It's it's the narratives it's you know and it, it even i feel like to that degree it's like you know i talked about albert bell very quickly for a moment there and i want anyone who's like having a moment go look up his like strikeout numbers when that dude hit 40 home runs and then go look at like so you know it, it's interesting how we judge players so albert bell was known to be standoffish and angry and i know he's had like a dui as an adult uh or as an adult since he got out of baseball and he was not always the nicest guy but he was, you know, labeled negative, you know, given that huge label. And then like three years later, the Indians traded for and acquired Will Cordero, who had been 
wasn't even suspended for domestic abuse. And there's, there's the things like that. It is interesting. Like the, the narratives that can stick to certain players. Uh, and with Jose Ramirez, I do agree with you. It is a bit of a language barrier, but he is, you know, I, I said this off season, he, Lindor was the Indians third best player. And I'll stand by that and defend that point the rest of this season. And uh, Jose Ramirez is continuing to make that be the case. I, I have to ask while we're here talking about the things that have gone well for the Indians, the bullpen, uh, you know, we expected Karen Chalk to be good. He was good a year ago. Uh, we thought Class A would be good. I don't know if we expect him to be this good, but just because of the eliteness of his pitches, Shaw has been, I think, a pleasant surprise to everyone. What do you think of the depth of this group? I'm trying to think if the Indians have ever had this much quality depth when it comes to their bullpen. And I know, again, we'll get to the roster move uh, in the second segment of the show. But right now, it feels like this team is almost already built for the postseason, right? Like the whole thing is to they've got their seven, eighth, and nine kind of locked. If this continues to go, even with their struggles with some of the spots in the staff and with their lineup, this is a team that is going to strike fear in people just because of the back end of that pen, don't you think? I agree. Um, just, it, the bullpen has depth, but it's also very youthful. And a lot of these guys are just now getting their major league career started. And, um, but the caveat is the top three guys in the bullpen, um, Class A, Karen Jack and Shaw, are being overused by Tito, um, which yes. is a very cool thing. And it's very frustrating because you still have Phil Mayton, Nick Wickren, Sharper Stephan, and Nick Salen in, 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 in your back pocket, and you're not using them on until you're just stacking it. Appearances upon appearances on the arms of the big three. When I mean, you should be trying to extend those guys, considering the wave of injuries that players are dealing with this year, and you should want to watch their workload closely. And it's so you can see the the market difference in man class age performance just based on how often he's making appearances per week. It's kind of crazy that like no one steps in, right? Like. Cody Allen is the greatest reliever this team has drafted and or signed and developed. And because of Tito's usage, he was done by 30. Like he didn't even hit 30 before he kind of the wheels fell off. He's not even, I'm not sure if he's retired. I think he might be, but it's, or you looked at Andrew Miller, who they went and paid that high price for You're even, I mean, Brad hands a separate story, but you look at those guys, it's like, this has been a pattern and, they're investing a lot in these arms and these players. It, it, I mean, I guess we've seen though from the beginning, it's like the front office only can do so much that even when it comes down to some of the young players, when you look at how opportunities have not arisen for hitters uh, versus some of the vets, it, it seems that one of the conditions, you know, Tito was kind of a big name hire for them is he kind of has absolute say and they can't seem to do anything, even though, I mean, this track record of pitcher abuse with him is it, with relievers. It's I, I'm trying to think if he's the one who overused Pistano before he fell apart. I'd have to go dig up the numbers. But some of the I, there's at least four to five arms that you can just sit back and be like, have not been the same since Tito. And I think it's you know it's yeah. just one of those things that's it's it's troubling. Yeah, it's very troubling, um, especially considering the the position of the team and the development is a very important factor right now balance with the competitiveness because these guys are just so young. I mean, I really don't expect the team to make it. I, I would, I'd be, I'd appreciate a wild card run, but at the same time, 
I really don't care about the wild card run if it comes as dispense of the development for the guys who deserve that prioritization for the health of the players on the team. No, I agree 100%. Uh, you know, I talked about we have a new pen arm, and we'll talk about Juan Carlos Mejia, and I'll throw some crazy theories and thoughts at you in a second. But let's take a quick break here and have a sponsor break. We have a brand new sponsor this week on the show, and that is Wealthfront. So if you're not familiar with Wealthfront, they are an investment firm. And they've got a special deal for you right now. Uh, it is currently there, trusted with over $20 billion worth of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free when you go to wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB. All you need is 500 to get started, grow your wealth the easy way, and let Wealthfront do the work for you. Wealthfront can even help you lower your taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can cover more than the can uh Harvesting can more than cover the low 0.25% uh, advisory fee. Best of all, that's automatic. But again, if you are using the Lockdown MLB code on this, you don't get that fee. So you're going to get that bonus of uh, of the uh, helping lower the overall fees you pay. Plus, you don't have to, they're not taking anything out. That is for your first $5,000 completely managed for free by Wealthfront. You're going to go over to wealthfront.com backslash locked on 500 to get started uh to get your first five thousand dollars match for free go to wealthfront.com backslash locked on mlb that's w-e-a-l-t-h-f-r-o-n-t.com slash locked on mlb all one word to start growing your savings go to wealthfront.com backslash locked on mlb today and then we have one more sponsor to talk about here briefly, and that is rockauto.com. Rockauto has been a sponsor of the show for over a year. I always tell people I am worthless when it comes to cars. Uh, I can, I've got a pump that allows me to refill the air in my tires when that comes on, and uh, I know where to take it to get the oil change. So for me, I can't, if you go to Rock Auto, remember that you want to tell them you heard about them through Locked On and the How'd You Hear About Us box. I can't change anything in my car. So I, I'm not necessarily the person who's going to go shop at Rock Auto because that's not my skills. But it's a fantastic tool to make sure you're getting a good deal wherever you go if you need to get a part or piece replaced on your car. And if you have a mechanic that you can trust and someone you know, <coughs> excuse me, then you want to order from rockauto.com. It's going to save you so much money. You can go there right now, one central location that cuts down the overhead, passes the savings on to you, the consumer. So check out rockauto.com. Easy to navigate. Again, I am not car savvy. I can figure this site out. And remember, if you do use the site, you do want to say locked on, locked on MLB, locked on Indian, some form of locked on to let them know that they should continue their patronage of the show. Like I said, they've been a sponsor for over a year. So people are using the service. It's They've been around for 20 plus years. It's because it's a good service. So check out Rock Auto next time you need something for your car. So I very briefly mentioned that the Indians made a small roster move and uh, it is such a small roster move. I was kind of curious to see what MLB trade rumors would say about it about an hour after, no, probably like two hours after I got the email from the Indians about the roster move, they still hadn't put a post up. Uh, so the Indians are sending down Andres Jimenez. If you've been listening to the show, I talked about it, it kind of made sense to send him down, uh, not just because of his struggles, but because, Hey, uh, the struggles give them a great reason to manipulate service time. So it's, uh, you know, it's not win-win because if he was performing as a league average bat, that would mean so much for the offense, which is what he was a year ago. But 
in this situation, sending him down, letting him play every day is a, uh, it's going to be beneficial in terms of his development. He does seem to be pressing a bit. And, and this is a guy who skipped double a, or was it? He skipped triple a, he skipped the level went straight to the mate. He's incredibly young. Let's just get down to it. He's incredibly young. We just spent the first part of the show talking about how amazing Jose Ramirez is. Jose Ramirez didn't have a straight path. You know, he got called up so they didn't, wouldn't have to call up Francisco Lindor because of service time manipulation. And then Jose got a chance and there were some struggles and it took a few attempts. It was not a clean and easy path. And for a lot of players, it isn't. It's not just you get there and you stay. That That is not how it is for every player. So this is a chance for him and has to kind of reset, reclock. Uh, they've had, you know, Sam Henches had a rough start and they've really relied on that bullpen. Uh, if I have roster resources open, it's like, Monday, they had four pitchers. Sunday was three out of the pen. Saturday was three out of the pen. Wednesday was almost the entire pen. It, it's They need some fresh arms. And with this long trip, they're bringing up Juan Carlos Mejia. Um, we've talked about him on the show. It was added to the 40 man two years ago. Interesting arm. Struggled with health. Uh, they believe in him. I, I don't have the best scouting report because he's been more of a lower minors type of guy. But he was the guy they went to in this situation with him already being on the 40-man. Um, we'll see what the corresponding move is. But I, I first, let's, I'm going to throw it to you, Pat. What do you think about sending down Jimenez? And what do you have about with Mejia? Have you had any chance or talked to anyone who has a, you know, a better background with him? So, um. Thing no Jimenez makes sense. He's he's struggling right now, and he they want to get him consistent playing time at shortstop, so that makes sense. But what complicates things is uh, you have Gabriel Rice, Owen Miller, and company already at the infield in Columbus. So, um, how do you find him at bats? And also, I feel like um, him and his struggles were expected. He was kind of reaching the point where teams were trying to get a book, collect a book on him, and. Considering these, when he started, he was past the 60 game point, and you know, they stabilizes for a player after 60 games, and we see kind of teams adjust. And it's clear that that, hap- that is what's happening. But I also feel like we should also be more patient with him. Like, him and that still has a pretty good ceiling, which is a, a, a solid glove first guy who can put the bat on the ball. And I also feel like Tito didn't play him as much as he should have been played, especially versus left-handed pitchers. Um, in his minor career, Jimenez had opposite, had a reverse splits as a left-handed hitter, and he and he made a lot more contact. And I also feel and I also feel like um, we didn't give him enough time to make adjustments. No, I think that's fair. And there's part of me that like it's terrible to say, but I wonder if Tito even knows that he has reverse splits. All right, like, does he dig into something as deep as that? Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm being unfair, but it, that stands out. Like I said, I'm just hoping he plays every day, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, he, glove first guy, but he can at least be league average offensively. And, and at that position, if you're glove first with his level of defense, that could be. But I, I think... I think he was pressing I, when the defense started to slip as well as the offense. I think that it's a sign of pressing. Like I said, they have uh, Mejia up to help now. So the question becomes, you know, does this mean that Ahmed Rosario will get shorts up full time? 
Uh, this immediately launched a wave of spe speculation about Owen Miller getting a call up. Uh, now, here's my crazy theory, and I don't even necessarily believe it, but I was just kind of looking at this team, and what if it's not Owen Miller? Uh, we've talked about he needs to be added in the offseason to the 40-man. They're going to have to add him at some point, but he has not really been playing shortstop at all. He's been playing first, third, second. He's been playing everywhere else but short. And if they're sending down Jimenez and they want him to get at bats at short, what happens if the corresponding move is adding Arias? If it's if he is going to get the call up, because now I know he's very young and he skipped double A and there's all the other reasons why he shouldn't, but he is the natural shortstop down there. He's already on the 40 man, so they don't have to mess with anything. They don't have to shift Roberto Perez to the 60 or conceivably let someone like Zimmer uh, go. What if it's they're going to, you know, and Arias is another one of those guys where they, he's a plus defender. They're not going to lose anything with him coming up. Uh, do you think there's any chance in the world that they would call him up uh, just due to the fact that this way Jimenez would be still the everyday shortstop and they don't have to mess with 40 man. Do you think that that's enough? Do you think they would consider that? Or do you think I'm just uh, being a little off the wall with this one? Um, that makes a lot of sense. First of all, just to give you some background, um, Gabriel Rice is my favorite position player prospect in the system right now. Um, when he came over to Padres straight, I liked the tools he had as a guy with above average speed. Um, 70 gray glove at shortstop. Like he can be for a gold glove right now at the, uh, as a shortstop right now. Um, he has one of the best infield throwing arms in all of professional baseball, especially for a prospect. And he has above average draw power. The caveat with Arias was his swing. Um, in his first few years in the minor leagues, he was very aggressive. He, his swing decisions were very aggressive. He had a lot of swing and miss with his game. He got a lot of Javier Baez comps for this, actually. And before the Padres traded him, um, they put him in virtual reality training to help him discern strikes and balls better and also to get him to make better swing decisions. And they liked what they saw. And organization like Cleveland, who whose bread and butter is contact-oriented, players um for the last decade they they felt okay enough to take them uh they really liked them as well and they know their shortstops especially um they've had above average shortstop at the position for the last 30-ish years um, i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to evaluating and field talent so um and this year he's showing he's walking more He's walking at the where he's walking at is unsustainable, but to see him put an emphasis on drawing walks is pretty great. He's making contact at a great rate, well, at a good rate, that unconcerning rate, considering he's jumping from double A from high A to triple A without playing baseball for eighteen months at the age of twenty one. Um, it, it could be worse. I, I like his game a lot. He's my favorite position player prospect in the system, and he has probably the highest. Ceiling of all the shortstops in this very talented and, and field heavy system. Go over to our good friends at Bet Online and go see what tomorrow, uh, what they think for the Indians matchup tomorrow against the Angels. Remember that BetOnline.ag is our official sponsor for all things line based, all that fun stuff. Uh, when you are looking for a place to go and and gamble, BetOnline.ag has a deal when you go there and you use that promo code Locked On. 
you are going to get a five zero fifty percent bonus on your first deposit. You're not going to find a better deal than that anywhere. That is bet online. Remember that it is a five zero fifty percent bonus when you use the promo code locked on. Tomorrow's line for the Indians. Uh, sometimes you know we go here and they don't have one for the Indians. Uh, I do not have a Wednesday line pop it up, so they don't have one tomorrow for bet online. But they have everything else. You can go in terms of a matchup. I would go put money on. St. Louis Cardinals with Jack Flattery, Flattery, who I love, versus a very bad Pirates team throwing Trevor Cahill. So go check that out over at Bet Online. Remember to use that promo code Locked On. There were two things you said that really stood out to me. Uh, the one being the virtual reality stuff, and I, I, I'm fascinated by that. I'd really love to like talk to someone like Gabriel and, and like hear more about that. I'd love to see someone who has access, like really sit down and, and talk to a player who's used that heavily. I'd love to hear more. Uh, about it. And then the second one is, you know, you, you kind of slid something in there, but I think it's something that's very important. Uh, and it's something I've preached in the past that when you see a team go against type, a team that has a, the Indians are, they have a type. We all know it. Like <laughs> when you're sitting there writing things about the draft or anything they do, there are, it's not that they're easy to pick up, but they have such a set type and they stick to their set known type. So when they go against type, which they did in this case, they went against, because they are all about contact shortstops. Like Francisco Lindor was never supposed to be a 40 home run guy. That was not the expectation. And anyone who tells you that was the expectation, I would not trust. Not to say that, you know, he wasn't expected to be like 2025. 20, yeah, sure. But 40, I never in my wildest dreams. And he was the contact guy. You look at everyone they've added, most of their top shortstop prospects are contact guys. So when there is a player that goes strongly against their type and they, in my opinion, I thought he was the centerpiece of the Clevenger trade, and you're never going to move me off that. I, I honestly still feel I he agree. was the piece. So if they're going out and getting a guy that is completely against their type, like I said, you said it kind of, and you let it go, but I think it's a great point to make that like they went against type for a reason, and that probably says a lot about his ceiling potential and the Indians' view. See, I wouldn't even call Gabriel Arias against type. I mean, the only thing he's really against type is it's hit tool. Everything else is what the Indians want and what they target and their shortstops, if you really think about it. No, I agree He's, with you there. So I feel like maybe they're confident that they can change the swing or that if or that the virtual reality training is a sign that he's willing to make huge adjustments and that even for a guy who got a big bonus like him, he has a good makeup and work ethic. I think that could be another facet, and I think that's a very tangible outlook also considering how much the Indians put emphasis on makeup and um, guys that are willing to go to unconventional means in order to improve at the game. Um, they really shown that they like that in their pitchers. So I really don't think how that wouldn't carry over to their hitters, especially with how forward thinking they are and how progressive they are as an organization. And yeah, and I think that's, you know, again, just to take apart your words, I think another great point is, you know, you talk about the virtual reality and that trend, like this is a kid who, yeah, he got a big bonus, but he was willing to do anything he could to get better. And if you go back to his last full season of the minors, the adjustments he made over the course of that year and the effort and work it takes to make those adjustments. I mean, this isn't anyone who digs into him is going to see this as a kid who wants to be great, is constantly making adjustments, is doing anything and everything he can to be the best. He's doing that with elite level physical tools at the shortstop position. Uh, it's, it's easy to see where this guy is the limit, right? Right. And 
just to give you context, because I remember when I did my press report on him, he played in high A at the age of 19 years old. And in the first half, he struggled, but in the second half of the season at high A at 19 years old, he put up a 330, 370, 500 slash line with like 10 home runs in, in the second half of the season. And that's pretty impressive. And he was a consensus top 10 prospect in the Padres farm system when it was had to speak as a farm system before they started training away all the big names. And, you know, there's a fascination that people have with top 100 prospects whenever these deals with players get made. But, I mean, the top 15 to 20 prospects in the Padres system are top 10, 15 guys in every other system except for the Rays. Yeah, and it's like for as much as people, the top 100, I've I've done one <laughs> back in the day at Scout. And a lot of it, you know, I talked with people. And, I like, I remember our, uh, back when I was working with Taylor Blake Ward, it's like our big one was we were ahead of the game on Luis Urias. But I also remember, like, Kevin Metien, where we just, neither of us loved him. And we both had this issue where we didn't want to put a 17-year-old in our top 100, but everyone else had him in their, like, top 40. And it wasn't even, it's just more the risk, the general risk with the teenager. So we put him in, not because either of us loved him. We were both like, well, he's he's too young to judge. And there's that degree of groupthink in top 100 listings. Uh, so when people sit back and go like, well, the Indians didn't get any top 100s for trading all of their pitchers. It's silly because of the number of major leaguers. But it's also like this Indians team, Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber were never top 100 prospects. Uh, let's trust the scouting approach. And there's reasons why they haven't lost. I mean, outside of... Uh, the Leonis Martin trade, like, because Willie Castro in last season looked exceptional. It's like they haven't lost. That's like their only loss in my mind in the last five years. I think it's one of those things where people need to just, especially when it comes to adding young infielders, just be like, okay, let's let's give this team an opportunity to show there's a reason uh, that they seem to always find success. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. This this front office has too good of a track record when it comes to scouting and player acquisition and development for people to kind of down when they don't see the big top 100 anymore. And they've proven that quantity over quality is the way to go when it comes to these trades. It's just based on the structure. And actually, we're going to cut it off right there because we're over 30 minutes and I still have another close to 20 minutes of my conversation with Pat. Uh, it's the unedited format, so it would inevitably be a little bit shorter. But that is no ads, anything else, just another 20 minutes of conversation. So we'll revisit that on Friday. Tomorrow's show is going to be the Locked On WKYC show. I'm going to be talking with Chris Brown from uh, Tigerstown, a guy I used to work with at Scout and at 24-7. We're going to talk some Indians Tigers with that series coming up soon. So look forward to that. We'll have a lot to talk about after the uh, Spencer Turnbull no-hitter. If you've been listening to this show you know, I've been calling him maybe the most underrated pitcher in baseball for the past year plus. And, uh, hey, at least the Tigers fans have something positive. So that is something to look forward to. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Traft. I want to make sure I give you Pat's correct information at Tangible Uno. That's T-A-N-G-I-B-L-E underscore U-N-O. Uh, go follow both of us. Download daily. Tell friends. Rate and review. All that fantastic stuff really helps our channel grow channel, show, whatever this is, you get my point. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.